Hello and welcome to Pioneer Pigskin, second week. We're back. We didn't decide to, the, the writer's strike kept us down, Austin. It really did. We talked about this last week, but, you know, we thought, oh, maybe we won't have the numbers off the pilot to really keep this thing sustainable, but... Right, we were hey, worried. Hey, we, we did. We're, we're back. We uh, we have returned uh, in, in glorious fashion, and it's week two of the college football season in the books so much to talk about the nfl season gets started in about an hour and a half pretty excited for that um but joining us today the founder of football breakdowns and a very good friend who we like to loop in occasionally when when things uh when things go well, uh, who is opening up something? I'm not sure what. Um, it, it looks like uh, this is a bucket of quench gum. You're too young for this. Um, everything of- everything that's happening in Brian's world is making me laugh so hard right now. Yeah, quench gum. It's Brian Brown. What is quench gum? Well, for those of a certain age, quench gum was the most potent flavor puckering gum in history but for about 15 seconds so you're gonna get about 15 seconds of so it lasted about five times as long as fruit stripe gum yeah yeah and the point of quench gum was that you're going to quench your mouth while in the midst of peak athletic performance which is exactly what we're doing here i'm on a treadmill eric's lifting weights um i'm doing bikram yoga (laughs) Welcome to my tree pose. Oh, it does look good. Yeah. I, you know, one thing, it, it might be time to invest at, at some point in my life, a bench press. Just to have. Having a bench press just does not seem like a bad idea. But that's, maybe that's just me. But um, on the scale of manliness, I'd say that puts you at a solid five. Just having a bench press. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess so. Um. All right, guys. A lot of games to talk about. Utah, obviously, uh, the most to talk about. That was a pretty entertaining game. So let's start elsewhere. Let's let's very briefly hit on Utah State here to start. Really a fan of the Utah State ground game, which put up a total of 380 yards on the ground last night. Robert Briggs. Got the ball more in week two and uh, did what, you know, I expected Robert Briggs to do this year, which was make guys miss and play very fast football. This is a Shulfice on guy. Man, I, I, I'm a fan of his. Only only touched the ball five times, but put up 95 yards. By the way, that's an average of 19 yards per carry. That's pretty good. And sure, you can say, well, it's the Idaho State Bengals. They probably don't have any good linebackers or run stoppers. And you might be right. But I thought it was a very positive sign that the run game worked well for the Aggies. Because I think moving into Mountain West play, which will start next week with a big game against Air Force Friday night. Very excited to watch that one. Um, The running game. I think it should be a focal point of this offense because I think that they the they've shown through two weeks that they can move the ball on the ground and uh, Cooper Lega wasn't terrible, 
but still averaging under 10 yards of throw, which is not great. But if you want to ask Cooper Lagarde to just be a game manager and, and then just run the football, that is, you know, not a terrible plan. So I think uh, that that's something to watch as well. And uh, I mean, if, if you were a real sicko and played college fantasy football, I'd tell you, make sure you have Terrell Vaughn on your team because through two weeks, he's got about 24 uh, receptions and about, I looked last night, about 30 targets. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much Utah State. Did either of you have any other massive takeaways from these games? I thought the defense you know, played well in spurts. They have a hard time putting together a complete game right now but solid. I have a question for you. Yeah. You said that you thought the running game could be a feature for this offense at Utah state. Do you mean that in terms of like, they might be good at it or they might be thinking about featuring the run game? Cause I think one of those things is definitely necessary. I I'm also out of quench gum round one. I, Right, I a full Eric take. That's that's the length of flavor in a quench gum. Got it, got it. The the lake of a full Eric take. When we get that brand deal. That's how they're going to market the uh, duration of their their product. Yeah. Yes. Spice up an Eric take with a <laughs> with quench gum. Oh yeah. I think they should be looking to feature it because I do think the wide receiving core is a little thinner than they might lead on and Cooper Laga it feels like they don't really either it's not really in the game plan for him to throw downfield or he just isn't quite at that point in his progression yet I do just feel like they have so many talented running backs they run block well why not focus on the running game I just feel like that's a good way to 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 play football. And, you know, you can you can get a lot done with the way Blake Anderson runs the offense and the tempo of it. You can get a lot done if you're running the ball, you know, between, uh, you know, 30 to 40 times a game. That's a, that's a lot of touches that you're giving your running backs. And if you're running a tempo offense, you're you're wearing down the defense even more as, as you do that. And I, I feel like that's a, a, a solid, a solid strategy to have. I'm in the middle of, of looking up just exactly what they did yesterday uh, via stat broadcast, which is a, I don't know if it's necessarily an old journal tool, Oh, stat broadcast. It's man. older than five years. It's ancient. It, it's pretty old. Yeah. I'm just on ESPN personally. You know, they <laughs> used to the print ESPN stat sheets out and give them to everybody. They didn't, you know, most people didn't have an internet connection or could see them in real time. Thank you, Austin. I do appreciate you being our historian. And maybe I'm just old school like that. But so, I mean, last night, you last night, yesterday, or second piece of quench gum out of it. Um, Utah State only ran 69 plays compared to 83 for the Idaho State Bengals. <clears throat> and so one thing I think you're going to see a lot of with the rule changes in terms of the clock play is teams are going to go faster. 
and for a team like Utah State, we're going faster is is pretty much the epitome of it. They have to be successful in the run game. They can't afford to run 70, 75 plays a game and not be successful in the run game. That is so much of what they're built around. It's it's always been a tenant of, of Blake Anderson's offense. What you want to do is you want to run the ball well. And then, like Eric's saying, is take your shots down the field. Now, Cooper Legault can throw deep. Like, he, he can throw down the field. He just can't do it as the main weapon for that offense, right? I mean, this is a kid that threw to Puka Nakua how many times in high school, and now Puka's playing for the Rams and, and tearing it up. So you know, we know he's got the arm talent to do it, but I think it's just he's not – I'll borrow a phrase from Andy Ludwig, the repetitive accuracy is not there for him to go out and, th- and sling the ball around 50, 60 times a game. So they have to run the ball. And you look at what they were able to do yesterday, and I mean the stats pop out, pop off the state off the page. Seventy eight points. He scored fifty points in the first half. You know it was just it was an absolute slugfest from the get go. And yeah, you can say Idaho State, blah blah blah, but that's an Idaho State that went on the road and hung with San Diego State, who I think is not a good football team at this point. Uh, maybe that's really stretching outside the bounds of the hot take express here. Um. But that's how I roll, you know, <laughs> pushing limits. Um, and so I think it, that's a good game to hang your hat on and say, hey, we can do this from week to week. Maybe not 78 points, but we can do 70 plays a game. We can run the ball. Uh, let's see. I mean, they the run, run game was 41 times. Yeah. And I mean, they average 8.6 yards per play. That's. <laughs> usually you're not going to average 9.6 yards per completion and 9.3 yards per rush usually yeah but typically not i think there was there was purpose in what they were doing and, and 380 rush yards obviously is a lot and and most of that is just because once those guys got to the second level it was you know it was chaos um i do think that idaho state is developing as a team in a program to where they might have the guys up front at some point in time uh, but just not last night. And if Utah State's going to have any success, I mean, I watched Wyoming against Texas Tech, man. They got to have a run game. You got to be able to keep it close against teams and you got to wear defenses down. So you got a chance in the fourth quarter. Uh, that's the only way you're going to be able to, to to really hang, you know. And, and I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm an expert on the Mountain West, but there's enough good teams in that conference to where. And looking at the talent level of the Aggies, they have to have that run game. So I think in terms of strategy for the season, everything like that, that's a pretty, pretty potent way to do it. Uh, but here's my question. On the other side of the ball, is there any concern to allowing 28 points to Idaho State and 424 yards? A little bit. There should be, right? And it was, I mean, it wasn't, so it's not like they were just allowing yards, right? It was 323 pass yards. Like, and I'm, <laughs> was it Hunter Hayes? Is that the name of the quarterback for? Uh, yes. Yeah. You know, he came in, had, uh, it was 11 to 17 for 114 yards, two TDs. Um, the other kid, Cook, was, was deep. Jordan Cook was decent. Um, you know, but I, Yeah. I think there is some concern and that that maybe even makes me want to double down on my you know um my take about they have to be better in the run game 
You know what I mean? They have to be better than every other team out there so that they can continually wear those defenses down and keep their defense from being exposed because I think we're all big fans of uh, Ike defensively, mm. but they lost uh, Ike Larson. Uh, but there's a lot of young, inexperienced guys out there in that secondary that uh, it may take them some time to come around. And if they're not able to get it done with the front seven in terms of getting pressure out there, and, you know, like Brunson Olivao is a guy that I'm a little surprised to see even showing up on the stat sheet, you know, but with the injury to Alford, that's next man up mentality. I thought MJ Tafisi had a pretty good game. Like, they've got some guys out there, but I think to Austin's point, (laughs) I get it's a 70-point game, and I get that there's you're going to walk away with some stuff and, and say, like, hey, We'll live with that because uh, we hang, you know, we hung 50 in the first half. But that does, we'll, we'll say that brings out the caution flag for uh, the Brown Bear 500. Yeah, I mean, they're just when you try to eat 500 pieces of gum. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In one hand. podcast. Yeah. True. yeah. Thank you for the True. reminder. It's time to quench. Yeah, that's right. Uh, absolutely. Eric's talking. It's time to quench. Time, time to quench next next piece of quenches is going in my mouth right now uh let's move to byu no uh, follow-up from eric wow okay well i i thought that you guys covered it all pretty well the defense is uh i, I, forgot, but I was awesome there that, that last segment i was i was on fire yeah i mean but the, the defense cursory reading of the box scored one question Do yeah. you need to put out that fire i got some quench gum i can send your way yeah <laughs> I mean, the Just defense. Put it in a spittoon. I'll get to it later. Yeah, the defense is a G five defense that has lost some of its best players early. They are going to struggle a little bit. I agree with. I agree with Did that. Do you have hope. favorite players from the game, Eric? I don't have much more to add. Uh, you know, I thought Anthony Switzer was all over the place. Uh, he was by far their best defensive player, but uh, outside of Ike Larson, of course, before um. Uh, to be honest, I I I watched the forty four point second quarter and and then switched to games that uh, were of games uh, that mattered were of matter. Yeah, uh, Ike Larson injured. Did you say? Did I catch that right? Did he hurt himself? No, I think Ike's fine. Uh, oh, okay, Alford. okay, Alford. yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert Alford's out for this season, so that makes sense. Uh, BYU. This one I did watch pretty much in full. Um, Keen Slovis looked a lot better in week two. Offensive line, pass protection looked a lot better. It helps when you get Keanu Hill back, and it helps when Isaac Rex shows up and plays, I think, arguably his best game since uh, – kind of his injury riddled uh, storyline coming back here over the past few years. I I thought this was one of his better performances Four catches, 112 yards, a touchdown. Uh, Chase Roberts had a a big day as well. And, you know, Keaton Slovis credit to him, man. He, he really spreads the ball around quite a bit. He's, he's good at at finding uh, open targets. We'll see. It's Southern Utah, you know, their defense is, um, I don't know much about it, but it's, you know, a, kind of an FCS defense. They managed um, to put 11 guys out every every down. Yep, yep. 
but that's I mean, impressive because we've seen some teams in week one not even been able to do that, and some teams putting two guys with the same number out, which makes it feel like you only have ten guys out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Austin, I don't know. Do you see Eric, much? I have of a it, question for you. Much of this game, I mean, yes. When you say Keaton Slovis spread the ball around, do you think it was Keaton Slovis that was doing that, or do you think it was Aaron Roderick? Hmm. Conducting that. Well, I I think they both play a role in it, certainly. But Keaton Slovis is the one making the reads ultimately and making the throws. Aaron Roderick can master. Aaron Roderick can call call up all the plays he wants, but I doubt he's telling. Well, maybe he is. I don't know. Uh, but I doubt he's making the reads for for Keaton Slovis. But you you never know. I I just thought he was. He was much better in this game. I'm not going to say anything crazy about Keaton Slovis. This is week two against Southern Utah. Let's see what he looks like against Arkansas and Kansas. Those are going to be two big tests the next two weeks. But I don't know. I I thought, well, if this is the version of Keaton Slovis that shows up the rest of the way, BYU is going to be competitive in the Big 12 in year one. That's that's what I thought, Austin. Any any other major takeaways from this game other than the, the run game really struggled again for BYU, even LJ Martin, who was their best back last week, didn't didn't have a great day on the ground. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I remember back to our uh start of the year conversation. My uh my my real cool hot spicy take was that you know Aiden Robbins was going to be a guy to watch for BYU. And I was wrong. He sucks. Um so far on the year, I mean, let's just go through how he performed uh, against Southern Utah. Had three rushing attempts for six yards on the year. He's, he has 10 carries for 29 yards, um, a long of 10. So you take that away. He's, he's nine for 19. Um, you know, Which is about one, as many pieces of chill, uh, quench gum I'll have by the end of this episode. Yeah, exactly. Saying, so Robinson, I'm lapping you. In the context of pieces of gum in a 45 minute, um, you know, podcast that that three media adjacent, you know, sl- you know, bums do that 19 is a big number in Gums terms of gum, yeah. yeah, yeah, but like for in, when you're when you're like, uh, you know, uh, what is he when you're uh, a junior running back for a, a big 12 school, you're coming off of a thousand yard season, um, 20, uh, 19 yards isn't a lot. For your, over your first two games so uh i was we were totally off on that it doesn't seem like he's much of a factor on that on that end of the ball um and the, i i think uh brian made so many good points about the importance of a run game um when we were in respect to utah state like byu's not going to be able to dictate the the tempo and the pace and and when keaton slovis starts to play like you know his pittsburgh self or the end of his usc self there's going to be some big issues for BYU. So um, I remain unimpressed. Hmm. I I would say unimpressed is not. I, I would. Not, ho- I would. I mean, not, we talk. I mean, you just talked so much about how how he played well against you know Southern Utah. I would really hope a guy who was the Pac-12 offensive uh, or freshman of the year and a first teamer, you know, at the beginning of his collegiate career would put up good numbers against a team like Southern Utah. So I'm like, he, he I, I, again, I'm not impressed. I'm like, he, he did as well as I, I think you should have. 
getting back to the Aiden Robbins conversation a little bit, I had to double check. I thought I was muted. Safe. Uh, it's interesting watching the difference in schemes and, and the way BYU really wants to run the ball. They want to get that stretch zone, that wide zone going. Uh, I forget what the slant blocking as one uh, illustrious me- member of the BYU media once called it. Mm. Um, I don't know that that really fits Aiden Robbins' style. He is such a downhill runner that they're, if they want to get him involved and get him going, they've got to mix in some inside stuff, some <clears throat> some trap game. I'm watching some of his highlights right now when he was at UNLV, and so much of it, it was about getting him downhill and getting him in a lane where he could hit a hole and go. And for this offense, there's not a lot of that going on with the offensive line. And, and you know, Eric wants to talk about Keenan Slovis. I, if I'm extrapolating this game, I feel like, they made getting the ball around and getting some chemistry with his with his wide receivers an absolute priority this game because they know they're going to need it. But the bigger problem to me is this offensive line and this offensive unit is not blocking well in the run game. And you say what you want about Big 12 football, air raid, everything like that. They still love to run the ball in the Big 12. It's still an important part of the game. And they run the ball to set up the pass and, and loosen up those defenses and and – you know, those defenses are already pretty loose, but BYU's run game is going to have to be more diverse. And I think this is one one problem that they're starting to encounter going through the transfer portal to try and pick up guys. Paul Miley's used to inside zone, right? Uh, the the big tackle from Oklahoma State's used to an entirely different run scheme. Now BYU's trying to run this wide zone, stretch zone. You saw how effective that scheme can be with Baylor running it well against Utah at times. And I just, I'm watching this and I'm watching this team and I'm like, man, they're having a real hard time mixing these dudes up and, and getting them on the same page together. And I think, I can't remember if it was a post-game interview or if it was one of the pre-game interviews, uh, but one of the players said like, you know, we're having a hard time getting the new guys on the same page on the offensive line because they're doing stuff that they're used to doing. And that's a real tough transition for offensive linemen. So I, that's something that I'm looking at and LJ Martin, I mean, I know Eric said he didn't have a great game. He's the best back they have. They need to be feeding him. Like, it's six carries. That's not enough for you to get a taste of, of what LJ Martin really is. Now, am I out here calling Aaron Roderick, like, not good at his job? Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying, like, if I'm BYU right now, good. We got Keaton some rhythm. We got him involved with some of his wide receivers. I am absolutely just focus on making sure that our running game is potent because without a potent running game, that team is just sinking. Defense looked pretty good again. Sack numbers don't show up, but they did have seven quarterback hits, which, you know, that's sack adjacent. I think the pressure will get there eventually also had several batted balls. So I didn't think it was a terrible game from the defensive line. I just, the sack numbers aren't quite there yet. I don't know when they'll start coming, but I think if we if we look, uh, if we, we sat down with, with Brian and did a tape review, I think we'd see good things from the uh, defensive line for BYU, who did a good job at stopping the run and did a solid job uh, pressuring the passer, at least. I did just want to give a very brief shout-out to Justin Miller, who made some pretty incredible throws during this game. 
the touchdown pass was just spectacular. Uh, I thought he he played as well as he could for given the situation on the road in a very you know hostile environment against a, a solid defense. But yeah, the defense I I didn't have many other takes other than they looked solid again. Uh, let's see what happens against Arkansas because this year a, a year ago this defense just got absolutely gashed by KJ Jefferson and and kind of gave up just gave up in general and uh I'm interested to see what comes next and that's that's really my only my only takeaway like it it was guys this was like BYU like I, I know we were kind of saying this in the summer but like Man, the easy stuff's done. Like, you had two games to get right, and maybe you did with Southern Utah. We 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 don't know yet, but like, their next four are Arkansas, Kansas, Cincinnati, TCU. Like, and then you get into the teeth of the Big Twelve schedule. Like, it is it is going to be a real test. We are going to find out very quickly whether BYU is any good or not. That's I got a question that, for both of you. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's my takeaway. How important really is this Arkansas game? Uh in terms like I know every I know you want to win every game, everything like that. Uh in terms of the long the long perspective for BYU, how important is this? And I'll ask it in two parts. How important is it from a fan perspective? How important is it, how important is it from a coach slash administrative perspective? I'll let you go first, Austin. Boo. I would say it's 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 not super important to win, but I would say it's super important to not get embarrassed. Um, you know what I mean? I th- I think you know there, when you're going into that part of the country, you're playing a team from that conference. You want to show that, I mean, BYU is transitioning. It's, this is like the transition year. I don't think the record's that important. I think people are going to cut them some slack, no matter how things shake out. It's their first year moving from independence into a power five conference. First year with a real budget. With a real, yeah. See, so like it's a, it's, they're, they're going to get a lot of coordinators and all those kinds of of things. They're going to get the benefit of a, of the doubt in a lot of ways. But I think they still want to show that, like, you know, they're not going to be cellar dwellers in the Big 12 forever. And I think going to play Arkansas SEC team and showing that, you know, they are are competitive at that level. Like, like Arkansas is like a middle-of-the-road SEC team most years, right? I think they want to show that that's sort of the ballpark that they can play within. And if they lose by 30 points, that that uh perception is not going to be there and i think it's going to uh raise a big time alarm for when they really head into power 5 conference play and um make people nervous and when you're nervous you don't play as well you don't do you, and, and things go wrong that way poop your pants you poop your pants yeah you don't want to poop your pants yeah i think hey but it happens you know, yeah, it, it, it happens. Let's not stigmatize people. Imagine Kalani walking off the field and, and saying that to, to the minute to Tom Homo. Eh, you know, they lose by 40 points. Well, it happens. You know, that <laughs> that wouldn't be an acceptable response. No, no, no. I was I was just making a joke about Kalani, pooping you your pants. Uh, 
What are you Hey, I gotta Tom, I'll be right with you. I gotta change my drawers, you know. It happens. It happens. You, you would not respond well to a person who you know has that attitude. I think Tom Homo would be more understanding with Kalani pooping his pants than he would be like an like a metaphorical pants pooping on the field. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I think BYU, it's important for that. I I agree with us. It's important for them not to get embarrassed here. It's important for them to keep this competitive. Whatever they're going to put the spread at, I would imagine Arkansas will be favored. It's important. You know, I know it's gambling, and I know no one really cares, but it's important for them to cover. Like, not that's, at all true. Like, like I, I know, but like it, like. But no one cares is is an early morning version of, like we're not trying to get in trouble here because gambling is not legal in the state of oh. Utah. Everyone cares. Yes. Everyone does care, um, especially me. If BYU covers, I will be, uh, you know, I will be, I will be fine with it. Uh, but, but, uh, but man, I don't know. Like, it, it's Arkansas. Arkansas is still pretty decent. I, KJ Jefferson's a good college quarterback. Like, I think you'll find out just way more about what what to expect from them in the Big Twelve in this game. Because I think Arkansas has got a, a really good defense that if BYU is able to have any kind of success against, you can look and say, okay, we can survive against Kansas. We can survive against TCU. We can survive against Cincinnati offensively. And they've got a decent enough offense, maybe not in terms of the SEC, which, by the way, this is just a larger take as a whole. The SEC is kind of mid this year. Like, don't look now, but like it's it's kind of a mid conference. Um, I have a take on that. Yeah, I think this is the flip side to NIL because I think the best players in the N- in the SEC are still going to go to the NFL as juniors, and so you're still losing experience. But I think you're seeing with the Pac-12 right now, who returned a slew of quarterbacks because of what NIL. They're what eighteen and two now, right? Thanks for nothing, Cal in Arizona. <laughs> Speaking about pooping pants, poop their pants. Although I will say, like the Arizona call at the end was kind of I uh, confusing to just because the line threw me off on the broadcast. So really, it was ESPN that pooped their pants. Not a surprise. They seem to be doing that a lot lately. Maybe uh, well, the maybe camera work in the that. in the Utah game, by the way, was god awful, wasn't oh, it? It was bad. It was bad. And I like Bob Wishu uh in and uh I will say uh I will say that uh RG three made me chuckle with the what the Moco VC. I mean yeah, let, dude, let's I... talk about him. Does he have to have like a funny pun at the end of all of his, his you know, pop ins? You know oh, what I mean? You guys are just does haters. He have, does he have to be a... like like Stuart Scott light every time he has something Steve to say? Mark Jones used to get silly last year, like Silly in a way where you're just like, what's going on in that booth right now? You yeah, know, me and like, my and friends always you guys just don't like people that have fun. I bet you two hate Tony Romo too. Oh, you guys give off Tony Romo hating. Oh, no, 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 Tony Romo. Listen, man, I do this. I do this job, right? Like, I, I, well, not. I mean, amateur. You know, for for Friday nights on on KSL Sports, so I get it. Like, I'm not. I don't hate RG three. Um, I think he mixes a little bit too much of it in, like. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm trying to buy a used car from him while watching the game, you know, where, where there's all these lines and things like that that are coming out. 
when he gets into the breakdown part of it, I really like that. Same with Tony Romo. They both bring good energy. But I don't want my commentary to distract. Bob Wishusen was, like, adamant that it was not targeting on that punt uh, uh, play early on. And I was just like, really? Like, I don't know, like... You're so like he was just convinced that he was a defense. He was not defenseless, and I'm like, huh. it looks like he's still catching the ball to me, but I don't know. So that's where it always gets questionable. Um, and I think the other thing too is, <clears throat> I really like it when groups work together a lot and have chemistry together. And I think that's part of why Nance and Romo are so good, is because I, I think those two two guys really got along for a while there. Uh, I don't know if that's still the case. Um. But having good chemistry in the booth is is very critical. So I don't know. We got off on a tangent there. We were talking about BYU. Mm. No, it's okay. I think we can KJ move Jefferson. on from BYU. Who, KJ Jefferson, watch the f out, man, because that dude is balling out of his mind. Yeah, he is. He's a very. I think this one's going to be ugly for BYU. I really do. Really? I do. How ugly? Well, they got beat by four touchdowns last year. Right? Three or four? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be something similar. I don't think this is – I don't think this BYU team is where it needs to be. And this is easy for me to say as an outsider. They need a bad loss. They need an ugly loss to make them kind of reevaluate everything that's going on. I think it's been – and this is the danger of, of BYU culture and BYU football and everything like that. Everything is so great. It is the Lego movie. Everything is awesome. Popcorn popping on cherry trees. Yay. Firesides. Caffeine in our Coke now. Everything is just so wonderful and great. And it's BYU and Cosmos jumping through fire. Wee! And I think that gets to be difficult as a football team because football is not a sport about happy-go-lucky, everything is wonderful, you know, we love everybody, kumbaya. Football is like, man, it's hard out there. I'm getting my butt kicked. You have to fight through that stuff, and you have to have adversity. And the best programs, the best teams, are forged through fighting through adversity. We watched Texas do that against Alabama, right, where this is a program where they've doubted people. You know, people have doubted Texas constantly. Those guys have had to fight to prove their worth. Now they've finally gotten themselves up. I thought Chris Fowler in his little post-game recap on Instagram said something awesome, like this sport is too wild and crazy to ever be back. But Texas is now 2-0, and and that's something to talk about, right? BYU's 2-0, but they really haven't done anything to talk about. And so I think for a team that's built a lot through the portal, got a new defensive coordinator, new conference, all this kind of stuff, there's a big transition in thinking, this is not an important game, bottom line, for BYU. The important games are still coming. They're the conference games. You know what I mean? And so <clears throat> I need to get another piece of quench gum here because mouth's getting all sorts of dry. Podcasting, man, it's 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 intense, but I don't think that I don't think BYU is battle tested as as a group yet. I don't think they've been through enough adversity. And I think this game's gonna kind of slap them, you know, metaphorically upside the head a little bit. And that's not a bad thing, because you've got more on the table now this year than you ever have if you're a BYU fan. I think those are all fair points. I right. hate when I make these points and you guys are just like, mm-hmm. Just staring at me. It makes me feel like well, we I've really, like, been mumbling in Martian. <laughs> we were playing no, on I, our phones. We were, I we think that's – I, I, We're talking. I think it's a fair point. They haven't played anyone yet, and they've played 
semi mediocrely again, if that's a word, against the, against the two very mid teams. So like, we'll see what ends up happening when they play a real opponent and Arkansas is a real SEC team with real SEC upset ability and KJ Jefferson at quarterback who I, you know, I'm excited to watch it next week's, you know, next week, you know, Utah's got Weber state. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a bummer, but like next week's pretty good in the state, at least air force. I do think that there's something to look forward with Utah and Weber state. And that's Utah actually having a starter starting quarterback now. Okay. Let's get to that. Uh, Transition. Transition. Utah beats Baylor 20 of 13. Let's start with the quarterback situation. So, Brian, you're convinced that we see Cam rising next week against Weber. I'm going to throw this out there. I don't think that's a great idea. I I, I think. You're putting quench gum in my mouth there, man. I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't chomping on no Cam rising. Yeah. It's Nate Johnson season. The future is it, here. It, it, it's Nate Johnson season. And, uh, you know, I hope Kyle Whittingham's not an idiot. I, I assume most of it, he, he's done too much to assume that he is. So, I mean, hopefully seeing Bryson Barnes trot out there for the second week in a row and put up a QBR of eight was enough for him to be like, okay, this guy's probably not it. I'll deal with the random fumble from Nate Johnson every once in a while. Nate Johnson came in, had a very nice drive, six for seven, 82 yards. Utah gets the win. What a wild game this was. It, it, there's like so much to talk about in this game, to be honest with you. I, I wonder where, where you start, Austin. I was sort of, man, this, this was way scarier than it needed to be. We could talk about the non-call PI at the end, which... Could have been P.I., could have not been P.I., you know, just depends on how you feel about the officiating that day. But the fact they were put in that position was such an un-Utah-like mistake. Uh, I was kind of shocked by it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you can't really complain. This was a weird game. You go into Baylor, you look like you look very terrible in this first half. You come out, second half, things get working, ground game gets going. That was a big positive. Uh, I feel like I'm much more confident this week in the in the running back room than I was a week ago, and that's even with Michael Bernard being out for the season now. I don't know. Let's talk about Austin. Where do you want to start? There's just there's just a lot of break lot to break down in this game. Well, real quick, I just want to um, just speak on the Nate Johnson Bryson Barnes thing. My last hot take of last season was I thought Utah put the wrong quarterback in in replacement of Cam Rising in the Rose Bowl. I think they would have fared much better with with Johnson in. And I think uh, what we saw yesterday just, to me, made me feel good about having that take last year. But anyway, enough on on, uh, on 2022. Nice and warm, like peeing your pants. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, if, uh, which which I do do from time to time. Uh, during games, you know, the, cool to the it, restroom. So. Um, but I apologize for all the potty humor. Yeah, come on. We, we I mean, we we have standards to pull. This here. is a clean I will switch show. it from potty humor to potty humor. Uh, yeah, much better. Um, I think there are 
Eric's still trying to wake I, up. I, I think Utah has a chance to be a uh, very, 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 very elite defense. But there are a couple things I think they need to shore up. Um, I think there's like maybe one or two guys in the secondary that teams can target and exploit. And I don't think that bodes well in certain situations. Like here, here, here maybe I'm wrong about this. Uh, and I would like some perspective from you guys. Um, I don't think Zemaya Vaughn is very good. Like I, I, I know he he caught a bad pass um, for an interception from Sawyer Robinson yesterday, but I feel like I see him consistently get exploited on like third and long situations, uh, sometimes even in the red zone. I think he's maybe the weakest link on in the secondary for Utah. And I'm a little also a story that I don't think anybody talked about yesterday, the lack of um, legitimate pressure on the quarterback. They didn't get any sacks yesterday. And I think that's, that's somewhat troubling, but I think, but I think if they get like some things short up and really tighten up, Utah has an unbelievable defense. I think Scally's putting together a, a, a really nice season so far, but I wanted to get your, your guys' takes on those two things. Um. Uh... Good call by you pointing out the fact that Utah didn't get a sack yesterday. Um, I believe they got a ton of hurries, which I can live with. But uh, I think that's why Baylor was able to to stay in it as long as they were. I think that's why the is it Robertson? Is that the name of their quarterback? Yeah, yep. I think that's why Robertson is the QB there. Is it the elusiveness? Like you saw it on one play where he had. And Van Fillinger is is not the most <clears throat> uh, fluid of defensive players, but he had Van one-on-one and shook him pretty hard. Um, and listen, I think most quarterbacks are going to be able to do that to a defensive player. So by no means is this a knock on on, on Van at all. Um, I don't know on Zamaya Vaughn. I think okay. what Utah I can, I'll really... I'll be wrong. Yeah, I, I, I think what... Utah really loves about him is the size. And I think you can see why, right? I think it's <clears throat> it's easy to fall in love with a player who's got great size and length. Uh, he's a former, former quarterback. So I think they love that. Um, I think he's a guy that's seen some ups and downs and I think he's still learning the position. Uh, some of this was just stalling to get to coverage grades from PFF, and I, I always preface this: PFF is is a rough compilation of of what someone saw, right? Not not a, the end all be all, but overall, right now, uh, their grades are Zamai Vaughn at sixty four, Travis Broughton at sixty seven, Taylor Johnson at sixty seven, Miles Battle at fifty seven. And so that kind of tells the story a little bit about it. I, <clears throat> if I'm looking at everything from it and, and, you know, I know Eric brought up the last play. If you watch the entirety of that game, I don't think that was the most egregious non-call that there even was throughout the course of the game. Uh, that crew just kind of let him play. And it was weird because they were very particular about what they called holding on to. Cause that's a, that <clears throat> that's a staple of Jeff Grimes's offense. He le he holds you and he tells the officials like, Hey, throw the flag on me. You know what I mean? But he does it in a different way. And and I don't want to take 50 minutes and, and explain to everybody how he how he does it. But it's if 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 it's your team, you love it. I hate watching it. 
because it is holding, but it's so well done and and like it's it's cheating ass cheat at 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 the highest levels. Um, all this is to say that I don't necessarily know that Zamaya Vaughn is good yet. Um, I mean, there are some other dudes on that team <clears throat> at the cornerback position. I think you, know, you saw it in this play right before Miles Battle. There were four Utah guys in front of the Baylor offensive player. How do you let that happen? That's a that that is a major, major, major mistake, and that's the kind of thing that you never see from a Kyle Whittingham team. Yeah. So what the heck happened on that one? You know what I mean? And that's where I'm getting a little bit like, I think to Austin's point, as good as this defense is, it's not arrived. There's a lot of talent out there. But it's not arrived. And I bet you, I bet you money chalk or marbles, whatever, whatever, whatever we're betting. Skittles out there. Uh quench gum. Yeah, quench gum. That Kyle Whittingham and the staff are gonna be all over those dudes this week at practice. If you see a Utah football player out in public, give them a hug. They're gonna need it. Because they're gonna do be not give them a ride on a lime scooter either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah, do that. Yeah, avoid scooter rides. Yeah. If you see I, I a Utah that... football player on a lime scooter, you should stop safely them. stop them and remind them, them a helmet. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, they're going to be roughed up. And uh, and that was a great win against Baylor. I think it was – if you told everybody – well, if you told everybody but Utah fans that Utah would be 2-0 down their starting quarterback, a starting running back, Brant Keithy, and multiple other players throughout the team, everybody would have said you're crazy, right? And technically, you're down two quarterbacks because I think Brandon Rose, to Austin's point, Brandon Rose was probably the guy coming into the fall um, and even maybe a little bit coming out of last season. They liked him that much. Uh, I don't think Bryson Barnes, you know, was ever in the plans to be the long-term anything other than just the backup emergency guy. Here, here's a question: Should they take away his scholarship and make him work full time at Lowe's? I don't think the Lowe's job was the thing that was making it easier on Bryson. I think the problem is Bryson is there is a point where you need to be a better athlete than everybody else on the field, and Bryson Barnes that that point passed him up a bit ago right to play quarterback and i think to to now he's to the point where like he's got to be getting reps he's got to be making those mistakes and he can't make live mistakes at utah right now so i think if you're kyle whittingham and staff you're giving the reins to nate johnson in the first half tell nate like go out there let her rip we're gonna give you all the options we can and then you're giving bryson barnes the entire second half because two things you've got to build up his his confidence again because it's probably a little bit shattered and listen i know that <clears throat> when you're a pig farmer there are far worse things than having a bad game but you're gonna need that that you still need a bryson barnes on that squad in the room going to practice every day you need him to feel good about himself just so that he can be part of that leadership group and everything else and also he's a decent backup he's just not a long-term solution right and i think I don't know if we ever talked about this uh, publicly, but I knew maybe a week or two into camp that Kyle Whittingham was going to go with Bryson Barnes. Um, 
even if I didn't know, no. And I knew that it was going to be a mistake because the reason that he liked Bryson Barnes because Bryson didn't turn the ball over. And anytime the reason that you like somebody is because they didn't do something, that's a that's a flag to me. And I thought that Nate Johnson is the guy that makes plays. Yeah, he makes mistakes, but he makes plays. And it's just so hard for Kyle Whittingham to balance out this explosive ability that he has. And I look, you saw the instant that Nate Johnson came out there, the defense changed for Baylor schematically maybe but the bigger thing is that he puts that half second piece of hesitation in the minds of defenders and that's all you need is just a half a second and it's a game changer and he did it against florida too now eric makes point can't put the ball on the turf um but like if you're Kyle Whittingham, man like your defense is good enough you can live with some of that stuff so and he hasn't lost one yet no I mean, Quentin Jackson lost a couple, you know, when he was a quarterback coming in in those Wildcat situations. The other thing, too, is they got to figure out a better setup. Like, you can't keep dragging quarterbacks in and out mid-series. Yeah, that, that, that it, I mean, it kills the momentum of the drive. The rhythm was not there. Yeah, and it was, I mean, everybody sees it now, right? So that's got to die. So either you're going to let <clears throat> let Nate Cook for a couple series or, or, or a couple plays in a series – you know, let him trot out there when you're past the 30 or something like that. Set whatever arbitrary measure you're going to set. But um, I think, <clears throat> sorry, I've done what I always do, which is get us way off track. Um, again, time for another piece of quench. But uh, I think those are my biggest takeaways from this game. I think Austin is right. This defense has not arrived yet. As good as it is, as talented as it is, as capable as it is, they're not on the same page yet, and they need to get there quickly. Because you're going to have one cleanup game against Weber State, and then you're here. And the Pac-12 ain't no joke. And then offensively, it's you got to get Nate Johnson going, and because I think you're going to need him. And the other thing is, like, the defense, sure, it's not there, but it's also not healthy still. They're still not healthy. Like, <laughs> you know, Juju Tafuna doesn't play in this game. Like, Connor O'Toole is still not on the field. Like, you're deep. Who, 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 by the way, Kyle Whittingham keeps propping up as the team's best pass pressure. Like, the defense is still not healthy. Like, I don't know how much better you can ask them to get if you still don't have your full starting complement of guys. And I know that, you know, you, you can't make excuses and you, you got a next man up mentality and everything like that. But, like, it does matter that they're not healthy. Like, it, it matters. And, but I just I hope they get healthy. My my only other two thoughts on this game were two offensive players that I really, really like. Um Jaquindon Jackson had a good game. Let's I think we saw the run game come together. That's good. They're gonna need that. I thought this was the best game of Jalen Glover's Utah career without a doubt. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I finally saw it. Like I saw the hype, like I saw like what people talk about with that final drive where, where he gets most of the touches. I see it. I think he needs to be a bigger part of this offense. I, I'm really impressed by him. And then the other guy, I mean, he's been like, I know it's not huge numbers, but Mikey Matthews is a dude like, and, and if, and when Cam rising gets back, I think he's going to find that, 
Devon Vele is no longer the favorite target. It's it's Mikey Matthews because he provides that Britton Covey type ability to kind of just get over the middle, take hits, make plays, make catches. And I I was just impressed by both those guys. We'll see. Get right against Weber State. And then, yeah, the, the gauntlet comes. I mean, UCLA looked great again. So we'll, we will – We'll see how that all goes. And then the, the looming question remains, like the, the positive reports are there about Cam Rising, but we don't know if he'll be ready for UCLA or not. I uh, you'll I bet you will see Cam Rising and Brand Keithy by UCLA. Okay. Brand Keithy, I don't know if I agree with. Kyle Whittingham has said nothing about him. Like you can kind of read between the tea leaves with Kyle most of the time, but he has given nothing on Brand Keithy. I am worried that that's more serious than they're letting on. Uh, I think there may be some validity to that. Um, I think you, it, it, I, I will just say this. If you don't see Brant Keithy by UCLA, you're probably not seeing him till October. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's, <clears throat> that's not anything that I am reporting. It's just more what I can interpret. I've, I've done a lot of uh, translating for Kyle Whittingham over the years things that he says but without saying um <clears throat> also want to point out the fact that nate johnson in basically one quarter of play had a 75.1 qbr uh which is good enough for 30th in the country 33rd technically um i don't know like i don't know that anybody out there is is still you know pounding the table for bryson barnes but my goodness yeah, I mean, there was this kind of weird uh, media thing that popped up the last few weeks that was like, well, there was, oh, like don't, a, there was we narrative. Don't, we there. don't really the, know. The, we don't really know. Statistically if... based, but there were like good, you know, like, hey, feel good stories. The guy who like has like a well built out LinkedIn profile and who works part time at Lowe's and wasn't on scholarship for week one, you know, threw a touch through a 70 yard touchdown pass on his first throw and. I think that was like very blinding to a lot of the realities that the uh, you know were present when he was on the field. And I think there was this weird thought coming out of that Florida game that oh Nate Johnson can't throw over the middle and he can't make all the throws. He beat those allegations against Baylor. He made the throws. And I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Now I still think the fact that they're able to run the ball now, I I, I think that. I would expect a lot of running the ball against Weber, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with Nate Johnson, hopefully starting a quarterback. If, to your if point it, about Jalen Glover, that's yeah. been the biggest difference because they finally started opening up some lanes for him to run behind. And Jalen is a guy that he has to get to that next level in order to be a really impactful runner. Yeah, uh, I think Utah fans have been spoiled by Zach Moss, who can make dudes miss in the backfield, and was just had elite balance and and stop start ability. You know, his footwork, his his balance, his ability to get going, you know, from any angle was really special. I don't think Jalen has quite that ability, but you can see, you know, the talent in terms of just when he gets to that next level and and you know starts driving those monster thighs. Like there's, a, it's hard for a linebacker to stop him, especially with his center of gravity being where it is. I also thought it was, <laughs> uh, I thought it was in, incredibly heady of him to try and milk the clock there at the goal line. Oh, 
Very and, smart. Uh, I know that Kyle Whittingham had some words for him in terms of just like you you only do that in certain situations, this, that, and the other. But man, I love that from him. You know, uh, I thought it was really smart and, and heady and heads up. And I think it's just, you know, that's if, one of those situations. Play the numbers game. It might have won him the game because it took oh, a it did. seconds off the clock. And Baylor had a, a shot to win the game with a second to play. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and you know, I thought, I think it was Jeff Schwartz said, man, that was a bad play by the Utah running back. And I was like, really? Um, yeah. and, and, and I get that there's, there are rules that coaches have in terms of like, you want to be up one when you do that kind of stuff and, and this, that, and the other. Um, I thought, and you know, that the nervousness is always that somebody's going to come up from behind you and knock the ball out and, and cause issues and things like that. I thought it was a super heady play. I thought it was really great on the part of Jalen and, you know, kudos to a young, young kid making that kind of being that kind of thoughtful on the field, especially when you're thrown in the midst of the battle and it's the games on the line for him to be that thoughtful and conscious. Man, I love that. That That's elite mindset stuff. And maybe this is the inner coach and me coming out a little bit with that one. Uh, so good choice on that one, Eric. Uh, another thing I want to point out, saw a lot more Landon King this week. And even though Bryson Barnes couldn't get him the ball, I think Landon King's going to be a dude. And the fact that you're seeing, seeing more and more of him, that's a good thing for Utah. Because I think Eric is absolutely 100% correct. When Cam Rising gets back, he's going to have lots and lots of guys to, to throw the ball to. Micah Pittman, Emory Simmons, Mikey Matthews. And uh, I don't know if either of you watched his, his interview with the Crimson Connective, but uh, he talked about with them – you know, he's going to get a lot of balls because he's in the slot there and, and how he's watching a lot of Britton Covey tape and everything like that. Mikey Matthews should be a fan favorite for everybody. He's going to be he's going to be a real guy, as, as Ronnie Mack used to say. Yeah, and a tough SOB, too. I mean, very, like, that, that, big that, that, that catch over him was uh, just kind of insane. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it. We'll be back next week. More to talk about, of course. Enjoy the but, but first uh, week of the NFL season. Appreciate you both. We will. How many pieces of Quenchy Gum this episode, Brian? Yeah, what's the count? We're at a solid six. Oh, Brian's sitting on a pile of wrappers right now. Yeah. With that, we will see you next time. Till then, peace out.